When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Dana Olivo with Marketatomy LLC, and we are Charged Up Studio. My partner, Sandra Dorsey. Say hello, Sandra. Hello, everyone. And we are back for our second recording of our second season. This one is going to be one that's going to be pretty hot. Um, we are going to get in a little bit about what's been happening after the recent debates, you know, with the polls and, and things like that, and we'll discuss a little bit about the, the, the three different amendments that are on the Florida ballot, and um, let's see where we can go from there. Sandra is just itching to get itching. involved. In Scratching, itching, doing flip, flip, you know, it's like, it's one of those segments, I wish we could be on camera with you. <laughs> and, you know, at some point, at the, la at the end of the last segment, we have some great, I, I just want to say that we have some great ideas on how we can engage you, possibly do some live shows, right. possibly, you know, um, work with some of you, biz small business owners, because again, this podcast is as much as, you know, I'm very much, um, I'm very politically minded, but I'm a small business owner. And that's my, the purpose of this, of this podcast for small business owners like you. We bring you the issues that impact you directly or indirectly so that you can be better informed right. as a, um, a entrepreneur and as someone who is lead, who's moving, um, who is a voter. So we have, if not the most important election in my lifetime, you know, I've never paid so much attention, um, but it's an important one. So stay tuned and listen to what we have to right. share. Right. Well, you know, um, Sandra and I took two different approaches to the polls and to the debates. Um, I did not watch the debates. Sandra did. Okay. What I did was I read the reports and everything after the debates where Sandra can speak to the um, attitude and the, and the whole uh, scene of the different, both the presidential and the vice presidential debates, you know, I'll talk a little bit about what I read and what biases I found out there, you know, based on what I'm hearing. So Sandra, I'm going to let you start this whole process. Let's talk a little bit first about the presidential debate. Well, the presidential debate, first of all, I did not watch because I knew that's so predictable. First of all, I knew that Chris Wallace was going to be biased. I knew he hates, I know that he hates, what a difference from, you know, from his father, Mike Wallace. I remember as a little girl growing up and watching 60 Minutes, Mike Wallace was always on point, respectful, right. and, you know, nonpartisan. When he interviewed someone, global leaders, American leaders, he, you always knew that Mike Wallace could bring you the information needed to make an educated decision. I mean, of course, at that age, I didn't know all of that. But now in hindsight, now that I realize 
what the media's purpose is, is I see that's what all the past, the anchors of our, of the past. Mike Wallace is on, in, my, in my list. And you know, Trump said it. Trump says you're definitely not your father as far, I think he said it in his tweet. But I knew that he is what we call, and you know, I don't know if I've said the word before, this is not a conspiracy show, but this is a, there's, some, there's a shadow government out there. These are people who are not elected, who, who, who craft policy. So the influence, we're talking about whether it's the lobbyists, whether it is, you know, those people who are actually working in those government offices, they are, they are shaping narratives. You know, they decide what, go, what we see and what we hear. And so um, you, Donald Trump came and he disrupted that. And I, let me premise this by saying I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I had had enough. I had been fed up with all parties because I voted for Obama in 2008, but I did not vote for him in 2012 because by then I said I'm done because the Patriot Act for me that was a deal breaker imagine I, someone who travels back and forth you know quite often and I don't have family per se that comes to welcome me at the airport so if these people for once for for whatever reason decided I think Sandra Dorsey is a is a is a terrorist we grab her at the airport and no one ever hears from her again they can take and put you in a hole somewhere without representation. So that was the decision for me. I cannot vote for Obama a second term. And so I decided, you know what? Having that thought process, I think I'm, I want to be free. I think I want freedom more than anything. So I became a libertarian. A libertarian um, is someone who, you know, Dr. Ron Paul and Rand Paul are both, you know, Ron Paul, father, who ran for president a few decades ago, he is definitely a... Uh, uh, complete libertarian. His son, I believe, is a libertarian too, but for political purposes, he chooses to side to, um, to, he joined the Republican Party so he could have some kind of camaraderie, whatever, however it is, you know, um, in, if you're not part of the party, you're kind of on the outside. So I joined, I, I voted libertarian in 2008 and in 2016. So this is why I'm premising what I'm going to say. So I knew that the usual rhetoric, regardless of what happened on that stage with Joe Biden and with Donald Trump, they were going to say that he bullied him and that Joe Biden was a victim. And Joe Biden is such a correct man and polite. Me and mind you, this man's been in politics for like 50 years. As lo- way before. I, was, I couldn't even talk when he, was, he, he went into politics. But this is the poster child that they want for the Democratic Party? Seriously, guys? You mean to tell me out of all those, even non-politicians that paraded themselves on the stage during the primary, that's who you chose? Someone who you say is the most honest? Joe Biden, I don't even know why he's still walking with his son has. Okay, so I won't get into the hearsay because I don't have any evidence. I talk about certain things without having the facts. I just know what I hear and what I've read. Again, it's someone, you know, everything that we hear is always someone's opinion. So that's important to bring out is the fact that what we hear and we read, okay, is not necessarily the truth. It's planned. It's strategic. Okay. It's being driven by something or someone. All right. And, and what I have read, uh, you know, based on, you know, one of the things that I will tell you is, you know, I definitely see biases among the media, 
definitely see a bias among the media, especially with CNN, when it comes to Biden, as far as this is concerned. You know, I didn't vote for Trump either in the last election. You know, I didn't like Clinton either. So, you know, and this is what they're trying to do is get people not to not vote party and vote, you know, uh, they're trying to get people to vote party lines as opposed to, you know, uh, policies. And I just could not find myself voting for either one of them. So I voted off party. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I take what I read and what I hear with a grain of salt. And I will do my research. Some of these constitutional amendments that we will get into, we have our own opinions about that as business owners and as individuals, as people who live in the state of Florida. You know, there's, there's stories going around. Is Biden going to really remain in part and remain as a president? There's some conspiracy theories that Biden will be in there just long enough for the vice president to take over. What's that going to do to our country if that happens? Civil war, I think, yeah. because just, you know who has the guns? The person who doesn't, who is not going to win. If Trump does not win, people will take to the streets. There was an article just um, yeah. on Fox that says that the governor of Michigan, I think there was a plot to kidnap her. I mean, that's not even before, that's before the election. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? And I'm not inciting anything. I'm not, you right. know, uh, expecting, you know, um, anything that I don't feel in my gut and what right. I'm hearing to be. And again, I'm kind of, you know, Donna is a, and I are a good balance because I go with gut. She goes with more research. My gut is my research because I, I've traveled all over and I predict a, I, everything that's unfolding now, I predicted it because I, you know, with the financial markets, I look at certain things that um, are in, unfolding now in the economy. And I said, this is not sustainable. The educational system, this is not sustainable. And, no. you know, so I don't even want to read it because most of the things, you know, I, I read, they, my, my personal gut feelings don't reconcile with or they don't match what popular mainstream opinions are. So I just keep right. to myself and say, you know what, I'll just be on the sideline waiting for it to happen. And of course, and so I knew, first of all, <laughs> Donald Trump for the last four years, they've been trying to take this man down. They want him out. They well, want at any cost. And that's exactly what we're getting to as far as some of this is concerned. You know, for years, this country has been run according to political friendships, per, per political relationships, political backroom ethics, you know, backroom dealings. Yeah. It, as far as this is concerned. And we've gone back and forth across party lines and very little has been spent on true policy making. Absolutely. Okay? And so as far as I'm concerned, we needed to get somebody in there that was going to upset the political platform. Like I said, I don't like Trump personally. I just think he's very rude, uncouth, but that's a businessman. A businessman, most businessmen, that's the way they are. Let's just, let's clear, clarify, a New York businessman. A New York businessman. Yes. You know, I don't like Trump personally, but the fact is, is that he went in with a, with a specific agenda and he has been doing it and he hasn't let you know, Congress, Supreme Court, any of them step on his toes. Can you imagine 
having to deal with what he's had to deal with? Do you think Obama would survive these court tests? No, no, they, no. They, start, they came at him way before the election. But, you know, these are, again, you, you're not listening to this so you can hear my, what's going on in my, my own, you know, um, thoughts. But we're going to give you facts. So Don and I, we feel that it's important that we talk about the debates because it tells a lot. It tells a story of where this country is going. Right. So we have two sides. We have the politi- the Democratic side and we have the Republican, um, Donald, we have the Donald, the Donald Trump side because it's, Donald Trump is really not Republican. We, we, you can't, know. we can't eliminate independence either. Absolutely. By 2025, so, Florida is going to be probably 85% independent. Absolutely. So let's pull the veil a little bit and expose right. this. What we have is we have the Trump agenda, which is not necessarily a Republican agenda because social justice reform is not a, polit- uh, uh, is not a um, Republican, Republican agenda. Lock her up is more like um, a Republican agenda because um, prison reform is not a, you know, a Republican agenda because most people uh, on the Republican side are interested, lock them up, Law and order, forget about them. But well, see, and, 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 and here we've got my brother who happens to be in prison. Okay, he's in prison for 25 years no, 30 years. Now, he drug abuse that's what it was, but it was his third strike. Okay, I used to work for an architect that built prisons, mm-hmm. and we were in the process before. Um, I don't know if you remember uh, Crosby the uh, director of, I guess he was the director of the Correction Institute. No, I don't. Way back in, um, oh, I can't remember when. In Florida? Yeah, in Florida, and Department of Corrections, and he was um, ousted because he was corrupt, okay? But just before he was ousted, we were putting together a um, paper to basically present how we could improve the prison systems mm-hmm. in the state of Florida because they're already way behind. Um, they're, they're, they've all gotten old and our population has aged. Of course. The aged population is not getting the care that they need, you know, as far as that's concerned. And I think about it and I think about this three strike rule. It's good to a degree, but when you've got three, you know, somebody in there for drug abuse three times, and there's no programs in place to rehabilitate them, to me, we're spending our money we're somewhere else, and it should be spent on how are we going to let these inmates and teach these inmates how to move out into the real world and tackle Absolutely. The yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, so it's definitely Trump's agenda. <laughs> and I've watched him carefully. Besides the fact that this is the most transparent president ever, the things that he talks about, he ran on the fact that he was going to drain the swamp. I mean, you had never heard that before. First of all, the swamp was happily being in the swamp. So most of those candidates, I'd say 99.9% of them, the swamp had to give their seal of approval for anyone to get on the platform and calling themselves presidential candidate. If you'd remember in 2016, or sorry, when the primary, yeah, in 2016, during the uh, Republican primaries, and I wasn't really interested because I was like, I'm just going to vote Libertarian. You know, these candidates were all politicians, you know, except maybe for Ben Carson, who was coming from the private sector. 
Um, and there was Amy Fiorina. Fiorina, I think she was coming from private sector as well. But everybody else was pretty much swamped. You know, we had Ted Cruz. We had Marco Rubio. We had, oh, my God, Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush is definitely swamped. I mean, I like Jeb Bush. I voted for him as governor. Mm-hmm. But he's not presidential material. I mean, you have to be clear. I travel abroad quite frequently. And when I look at the, um, the opinion of foreigners, of Americans, you know the strong leader that you don't back down when that leader says, America sucks. Well, you know what? That's what Donald Trump is. You don't cow over, if that's the word. Obama went there, went all over the world, and was like bowing to everyone. That's why when Donald Trump went to England, I said, don't bow to the queen. Don't bow. Shake her hand. Shake. I was sitting there in front of the television. You should have seen me. My mother was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, he can't bow to her. He did not. He shook her hand. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Because it made a statement. Because the thing is, I love the queen. Don't get me wrong. But we have to make sure that, you know, as a world not leader. A power exchange. It's not, right? a power, it's not a power exchange. Right. It's not, yeah. I'm higher than you are. So Absolutely. You have but, you know, and I, again, I voted for Obama. But I was like, what are you doing? Maybe because I saw my father who was like such a, you know, bigger than life figure, he stood up tall and walked into rooms. And I was like, oh my God, that, as a little girl, I was like, oh my God, that's what I want. So when I look at leadership, that's what I expect. You yeah. bow to no one. And Donald Trump said, okay, I'm not going to give the political one. But um, he, he talked about God being the one power that we only kneel to. And that's another topic that we talked about um, in the previous show you know, the Black Lives Matter in the concept of kneeling, if we really knew who we were as individuals, we would have ex- different and higher expectations for our political leaders. You know, Donald Trump has come and disrupted that. It's no different than any other industry. Amazon disrupted, you know, um, Tesla disrupted, you know, Facebook disrupted how we're getting on news. Twitter is the same thing. So Donald Trump is the, the, the disruptor of politics he's the disruptor of yes. politics as usual as so, usual Absolutely. Yeah, so, so what we're trying to say here um you know is as business owners okay you really should be paying attention to what's going on and rather than party line um decision making let's look at what the policies are what the issues are which is what we're going to get into now there's three constitutional amendments that are up for voting on this this, uh, this November's ballot. Um, the first one does not necessarily apply to Florida, but it does to the U.S., and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Basically, Amendment Number 1 talks about citizenship requirement to vote in Florida elections. Now, Florida already has that policy in place. Only citizens can vote, okay? But countries like, I mean, states like California, maybe Texas, I don't know about Texas, you know, or anything like that. You know, what is your opinion, Sandra, as far as citizens being the only one, you know, U.S. citizens being the only ones able to vote in a presidential election? And if it's citizens, okay, are they naturalized citizens? Are they, you know, uh, green card holders. Yeah, green card holders. What is your opinion as far as that's concerned? Well, I, I'm the right person to ask about this and talk about this because I became a naturalized citizen, I think, in, two, in 1990, something, late 90s. 
And the only reason I, I didn't want to be a citizen of this country at some point, you know, at, at that time, but I remember my sister used to say to me, what are you waiting for? Because, you know, I came here as, you know, I, I was given a passport. They're like, this is your country. I was like, I didn't want to leave Haiti. And so my sister was the first one in my family to naturalize. So, and then she encouraged my mother and I, my brother, and then did it. But um, I, my allegiance was to Haiti. So I'm, this is, I'm saying this because when you have a green card, it's because you close, you hold, you hold your original country close to your heart. You want the privileges, yes, of, li of that country you live in and you reside in, but your true allegiance, and I know for Haitians, because Haiti was um, a very strong country once upon a time. And a lot of us would say, well, I'm going back. Jo there were jobs, you know, there were opportunities. It's in the, it, this is in 96. And it was, um, uh, let's see, when, the, so was, it really started changing in the mid 80s. So I'm saying that because when I took that oath to become a naturalized citizen, my heart broke because I felt like I had to give up my soul. My, because I had grown up, I was in this country first as I was invited by the government of US my, through my father. But then I was like, you know what? I didn't have a choice in leaving, but I, can, I do have a choice in going back. So I took that oath and I was like, I'm still Haitian. And I still say that today, but today I recognize the value of living in this country, the freedom that it provides. And so I think, I, I felt that for me as a, um, a resident of Haiti, I'm sorry, resident in the U.S. and being a citizen of Haiti, I didn't have the full 100% allegiance that is required to make these informed decisions. So for, on the on topic of Amendment 1, citizenship versus, you know, citizenship um, requiring, requiring citizenship to vote, I say citizens and only citizens because you have dual, citizen, you have, uh, a dual allegiance and Let's say this country was to go, was to choose to go to war with the country that you belong, you, you're, you're, um, you're, you're citizen of. How is that going to, how are you going to vote? Are you going to really, when you cast that vote, take into consideration that the U.S. is, um, is, is where you're, you're helping make decisions about a country that's going to war with the country that you, you're a citizen of. So all these factors. So I say no. My, my thing is you're either a citizen or you're not. If you really want to vote, there are processes you're already a citizen. It's easy for you to just go apply and become right. a citizen to get that privilege. Right. It should be a perk to be, um, to be a citizen and be able to vote. So that's my view. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Donna? Well, I agree with you. You know, I think you should be a citizen, but even green card holders, you know, are citizens of the U.S., but there also might be dual citizenship there. Okay, and like you said, you know, what happens if we end up going to war, say, between the U.S. and France, and, they, and someone has dual citizenship there, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough decision as far as this is concerned. Um, definitely illegal immigrants, I don't believe, should be voting at all. You know? But that's the point of this topic, isn't it? That's what they need. See, the thing is with these people, uh -huh. <laughs> I love saying these people. What meaning those, the politicians? Those those new voices that are so progressive and radical, they want ah, disruption. Get rid of this, get rid of that. They have no vision. They yeah. are destabilizing a system. You know what? I'm first to say reform systems, improve right. system. You Do have not to throw away the uh, baby with the bathwater because you know, take a look at Haiti. Yeah, you know. 
you wanted, you know, you went from dictatorship to complete freedom. I said to my father, who was a very, you know, a disciplined military general, I said to him, I know you're trying to, um, you know, give voting rights to everyone in this country, but the whole country is not educated to understand the, the privilege that they have of voting. And right. what did they do? They voted a priest. They voted in a priest that destroyed the country. Right. And, you know, and I, we can go into the politics and how the U.S. Um, help with that. But that's not what this topic of this conversation is about. I have well, to get and, back and, on track. And also, as voters, we have to read these amendments carefully. Okay. Because the way they're worded, a lot of times, you may think it's one way. But if you read it carefully and you answer a, a different way, you know, so, you know, just read them carefully, even though this is not an issue as far as Florida is concerned, you know, it's a non-issue. Let's talk about amendment number two, which is talking about raising the raising of Florida's minimum wage. Okay. Um, they're talking about, uh, I believe a dollar. Isn't it currently, um, what is it now? 15, is it? It would, it would reach $15 per hour, minimum wage, okay? I can remember when minimum wage was $8 an hour. I remember when it was 6 Oh, my goodness, okay? Now, what is the reason for this? And this is what we have to read these amendments and we have to think about, okay? What is the reasoning for raising the minimum wage? Is it to increase GDP, get people spending more, or is it to help? citizens who are struggling right now in, well, the, in the lower income bracket. Okay. To increase their quality of life. It right? increase their quality of life. Now, you know, so that we have to look at that a dollar an hour. Okay. Is that going to provide enough to where they can contribute back to our overall GDP? Right. So okay. it's interesting, you know, because another thing that sort of, is, com you know, um, combined when you talk about the minimum wage and raising that is if we go back to the topic of, you know, the election, if we have a, uh, a democratic rule, they will bring back Obamacare, which mandates that um, employers pay for their employees' health insurance. So you're going to have, you're going to raise the minimum wage, you're going to mandate that the employers pay for an employee's, um, an employee's healthcare. So those two factors, so pretty much, you're gonna be pretty much breaking even as a small business employer. Exactly. So I don't see, I mean, they don't think through all these things. They just they say it sounds good when they are campaigning and they don't think about the actual business owner. And I'm not saying that people in the US don't deserve to have a better quality of life. Don't, yes. I mean, right, that's not what we're saying, Donna. But we've got to look at also the issue, if they're raising the minimum age and you've got other employees that are at a higher rate, okay, whereas their rates are not increasing, okay, what's that say to those other employees? Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, there may be, uh, you know, an employee that's a step up from that minimum wage and they may only be making $18 an hour. Absolutely. Like that. What's that do to the morale of these employees? Why aren't they thinking about what are some incentives that can be put in place? If we're going to raise the, the, the minimum wage, 
okay, to 15, and we are forced to raise the rate, the wage of our higher up employees, maybe there can be some kind of tax benefits on the back end. Absolutely. See, the thing is about, um, you know, making these, implementing these policies and these laws is that these, a lot of the policymakers are trying to win elections. Right. And so public policy, the ones that are going to attract more voters, minimum wage attracts more voted, voters. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, so on both that's sides, they're running on. That's an issue that is, yeah. you know, uh, pertinent to both sides. So, you know, and so what does that say? Raising minimum wage, does that mean you're not going to be able to employ as many people as you want? So let's say a business owner has a staff of about 10. Raising the minimum wage, does that mean that you have one less person that you can hire? So are we, let's, you know, the pros and cons, do we want more people working or do you want people working and earning more? Right. So there's a fine line there. And as a business owner, you have to take that into consideration. I would think that it's getting as many people to work as possible would be um, most well, Depending on the workload. Yes, exactly. If you've got a workload that is requiring you to hire somebody else, you have to take that into consideration. But these policymakers are not taking that into consideration. Or right. if they are, they're not bringing it to the forefront. They, they said, we're not going to worry about that right now. We're just going to increase the minimum wage and we'll carry, we'll worry about the fallout later, you know, or something like that. Absolutely. So they're not concerned things. because they figure by the time they realize, by the time the U.S. I mean, the US voters realize what we've done behind right. closed doors, I feel like they're rubbing their hands and laughing at us. Right. You know? well, when, it's when, like we're punked every day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> when I work with my clients, and we do our SWOT analysis. For those who don't know what a SWOT analysis is, it's a, an analysis that you do on your company that measures your strengths and weaknesses internal to your company and your opportunities and threats external to your company. What we're talking about right now with these amendments, these constitutional amendments, are the, the opportunities and threats that you may have that could help or hurt your business. And it's Absolutely. important for you to understand these so that you can make, you know, informed decisions. Absolutely. So the last amendment we're going to talk about before we have to end this session is amendment number three states that all voters vote in primary elections for state legislation, governor and cabinet. Now, understand, I said state legislation. What happens to the presidential election? And where I'm going with this is... Right now, the only people allowed to vote is Republicans and Democrats in the primary elections. So libertarians, independents, none of them. Green Party. Green Party. Nobody else can vote in the primaries. Why? Why is that? Is it just that they're trying to fill the ticket for the Republican Democratic Party? What's going on? It's called control. Exactly. You know, it's interesting because we have to go back to what we talked about earlier is the disruption that Donald Trump brought. Uh, these people on both sides, when I realized I was so disillusioned by the, the idea that one party was pushing one agenda or what, had uh, certain talking points and they were more resonant, more, they resonated more with me. But then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, they're all the same. They're all the same. They have the same yeah. agenda, which is control. So yeah. this is about control. And when you see something like this, you are, you, you know, you would say that makes sense for us to have as many voters engaged in the right. primary 
but that would mean that they would have to give a control of the people because I had to change. Like I said, in 2018, I was a libertarian in order to vote in a primary the way I wanted to, I had to change over to be the, um, to be in the Republican party, to be able to vote for those. And I didn't even want to vote for all those Republicans. You know, it's like, do you just change your voting registration to be able to vote for one, one person? And so, I mean, my, my only goal really was to vote for, um, you know, for the governorship. And so, but I had to, I had to, I had to make the change. So the law, the lawmakers, they understand that. They understand they do not want us to be in control. They don't want us to have that strong of a voice because if we have that strong of a voice, independence with party voters, that would mean they would be silenced right. because they would have to answer to us. They would well, then, have then to listen more, to us. Yeah, it'll be more on a level playing field. Okay, absolutely. A so I here. Yeah. So I, you know, so I say, let everybody vote. You know, at least try it out. You know, they are, they have us like guinea pigs right now with COVID because now they're trying to see. Let's see how much they believe us. Let's see how much they behave. Let's oh, see how much exactly they get them to do what they, we want them to do. This is just we're just in a, a big experiment right now. So, you know, I put it back to them. I said, well, let's experiment with this, with this model. Let everybody vote and see how it works out. But yeah. most of all, let us choose how we move forward in our political business model. Because this one is definitely not working. It's the same old voices. And, you know, it, it, I've, I've just had enough. I don't, you know, right. in this show is to help you understand what's at stake here. We are leading into the... Um, this, this 2020 election. So these three amendments, one, citizenship, um, right to vote, and two, raising the minimum wage, and three, amendment three, all voters vote in the primary election. Think about that as right. you cast your vote. I know many of you have already voted because I got my mailing ba- ballot. I've been mail- you know, doing mailing for years because you know, um, I do absentee all the time because I, I'm out of the country. But again, some of you are, are, are casting or have casted Think about these three, very important to the future of not just the state, but of this country. Yep. That's absolutely it. And this ends our second session today. Um, I told you it was going to get a little heated here. There's, there's a lot of opinions on both sides, and I know all of you have some opinions too. Um, we would love to hear from you to hear what kind of topics you would like to hear as it relates to your businesses and your personal lives and being entrepreneurs. And if that's the case, go ahead and email us at info at chargedupstudio.live. And what we'll do is we'll take your suggestions into, into consideration and maybe we'll devote a, a session just on what you're interested in. Sandra? So I'm, you know, I'm always here available to you. You can reach me um, at Sandra at sendorcapital.com. You know, of course, you know, I have a YouTube channel, which this podcast hopefully can air at some point on. It'd be great for us to merge the two, not merge, but, you know, try to help each other build um, momentum so I can talk about more about this platform. But um, we are, you know, we are eager to hear from you. So um, reach out to info at chargeupstudio.live. But also stay tuned as we are rolling out more um, opportunities for you to for you to engage with with us. We are building a community where you can um, interact with us one on one, 
And um, so that we can help you move forward in this new age that we, this, un, this surreal world of COVID that, so we can help but you navigate this, this new the environment that we're forced Surreal, to. right? <laughs> so see you next time. Well, here you, here, uh, hopefully you'll be listening to us next time. So thank you All for right. being with us on this amazing episode of Charger Studio with Donna and Sandra. You can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.